Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Jean Grey, a mutant telepath slash telekinetic, one of the founding members of the Uncanny X-Men. Now she is Phoenix. And for her, for those who loves her, and perhaps the entire world, nothing will ever be the same again. Taken from Uncanny X-Men, number 125 from 1979. Written and signed by Mr. Chris Claremont. You are listening to Heroes Home Base Podcast, episode 49. <clears throat> What's going on, everybody? This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Hello. Hello. Are we going to be doing episode 50 in New York? Yes. Yep. Uh, I feel that'll be our uh, Comic-Con episode. And then I kind of wanted to do a, uh, to take away from our past segment, uh, Blast from the Past, do a special episode where we just highlight all 50 episodes and talk about some of our favorites and just go down the list and kind of be a fun rewind episode. So yeah, hit us up on uh, heroeshomebase at gmail.com. Let us know if you like that idea or if you don't. Whatever. We do have an email while we're uh, talking. No, we don't. No, we don't. I read it. (laughs) It psyched me out too because I thought it said Magneto and it's Magento. (laughs) Nope. Here we go. From the one and only, the only emailer to the show. Mr. Subject Line, Herb Badgley, said, Hey guys, hope all is well. I was just working on getting caught up when I experienced Rob's clinical assessment. What a great segment. I felt like I was listening to a murder documentary about the Riddler. Love the idea and can't wait to hear the next one. Keep up the good work, guys. Bravo, Herb. Thanks, Herb. Thanks, Herb. Good good feedback, man. It's always good oh, to know that you like it. That was underneath the Naira email. Did you see that? I thought it said Magneto. <laughs> I was very excited. I was like, Magneto. I started reading. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it wasn't It wasn't a fan. Yeah, we right. do get a lot of trash uh, business emails to our Heroes Home Base podcast. So I'm glad I paid attention and picked out the Herb email. Thanks, Herb. Thank you, Herb. As always, thank you, subject line Herb. Appreciate your uh, your commitment to the uh, the show. I know you love a charity case, as you said before. Right. Um, so while we're talking about that kind of stuff, uh, we're already out of hats. I've already gone through two rounds of hats. Um, so if you want a hat, uh, shoot us an email or hit us up on Facebook. Let us know if you want a hat. Um, and we'll get another round probably ordered soon. So yeah, hats, big success. Go figure. Yep. Dr. Doug has one in his office on the uh, top of a stormtrooper on his bookshelf. I saw so. that. I saw nice. that picture. So, yeah, we'll have to have guys who have it post on the post on the Facebook page. So we'll share that. All right. So episode 49, what's been going on, fellas? Anything new? Lots. Lots of stuff. I actually have been – I'm not typically a huge TV watcher unless it has to do with our drama. But this weekend was filled with lots of TV. I um. On the 13th of September, the graphic novel I was telling you about by Brian Vaughn and Pia Guerra, uh, Why the Last Man. The first three episodes premiered, and it's excellent. Based off the graphic novel, and I love the show so far. It's really, really, really good. What um, platform's oh, that on, Mark? Um, Hulu. Hulu, gotcha. And also, there are two Batman podcasts that I was excited about that I've mentioned. One by, that's by David S. Goyer, and there's another one that just came out on the 18th called Batman the Audio Adventures that's streaming on HBO Max. And I listened to three of the 10 episodes, and they're awesome. 
I really, really, really enjoy them. They're really great. And it's definitely, it, it's a, I think I tagged you in the photo, Rob, in Rich. Yes. Um, yeah. It's throughout the whole episode, it's that radio box and it's just different displays. Sometimes they're on top of uh, GCPD headquarters with the bat signal. Sometimes they're in the bat cave. Sometimes they're in crime alley. So, but that radio is always there. So it's really exciting. I love listening to it. And it just takes you back to the 1920s and 30s where there was no television and you're just sitting around the radio just imagining these things, these stories taking place. And that's what I loved about it so much. And that's out. I saw, and I saw the new Hawkeye trailer, which looks interesting. I'm going to definitely watch it. You know, I'm a fan of Hawkeye um, from the Avengers and in the comic books, but I um, I think Jeremy Renner did a great job with him. So I'm excited to see his own standalone show on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And I read that there's going to be a, a Penguin spinoff series that's developing at HBO Match. HBO Max that's tied into the Batman movie that comes out next year with Robert Pattinson. So HBO Max is going to do a development. So is it going to be Colin? Is it going to be Colin Farrell? Um, That's what they're saying. Nice. Also, I saw the movie Shang Chi. Yes. Mm. Let's hear your thoughts on that. It was great. I mean, it's so such great representation, and. The action was great. The colors were great. And the fighting was great. I thought the story were great. The characters were great. I really, really, it was so, it's just, there's a cleanliness to this movie that I liked a lot. And I would have liked pretty, to see uh, the, Pretty bright and flashy. Like a, it, it's it a bright pretty, movie. It's a bright yeah. movie. Um, I would have liked to see the Mandarin be that kind of traditional Mandarin that we're used to seeing. But I thought the guy who played him, who is a huge star in in the Asian community, um, I thought he did a great job as Mandarin. Um, was it, more, it was more lined up to what the Mandarin should be instead of the ripoff that we got from Iron Man 2. And this, it, it was closer. Okay. Not exactly, but it was closer. But I thought Simu Liu, who played Shang-Chi, I think he did a great job. And the end credit scene... I thought was really good. It, it left you wanting more, which is what you know they've all done. I thought, right? And I thought they were good. The end credit scene was good. So we're gearing up to the next uh, phase in Marvel. So Shang Chi was great. Okay, so are I you gonna to... check out? Are you gonna check out the What If animated show on? Uh... I've been watching it, and it's definitely What If because every episode is a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so i've watched it and i'm and there are some great episodes but it's uh, it's just what it is you know like i'm just not leaning but into, like to, the animation the animation is more like um into the spider-verse isn't it kind of yeah I, I was watching the previews the other day and i was trying to get the kids to watch it with me but they didn't want to so i just thought i'd ask i'm not looking i'm watching them but i'm not looking for it to lead me into the next thing right so gotcha. I'm just watching it. Um, so I went to the comic store because I was reading on comicbook.com that there was going to be Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land comics. Mm-hmm. And I thought, boy, you know, I love the Savage Land. I love the way uh, it's written in the X-Men. And I love the Savage Land. And I thought, well, maybe let me just try. Maybe I can pick up a new comic. Well, I went to Midtown Comics and I looked up Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, and I wanted to read it. I stood there and I read it. Cannot get into it. I put that comic book right back because the artwork looked like somebody <laughs> threw up on pages. Oh, and no. I just didn't like the story. So I will not be collecting Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land. I tried. I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I just love that you you haven't changed at all. Like You're like, I'll stand here real quick and read this and see what I think. <laughs> nope. 
not happening. Also, you know, Venom, let there be carnage. We saw the first Venom when you guys came for Con in 2018. <laughs> yeah, we saw it. <laughs> the new one comes out this, um, October 15th. So I, I, I'm going to check that out. DC Fandom is happening this year, October 16th. The week after Con. <laughs> yeah. So and DC probably won't have shit at New York City Comic Con this year. I don't know. And just a little piece of interesting tidbit. Did you know the actress, Rachel Lee Cook, she turned down the role of Rogue in the X-Men movies? I think you tagged me in that article. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? She 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 turned it down. And she said the minute she saw the movie poster, she knew she made a mistake. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that could have been me. So oh, that's all I, the news from me. Did I talk too fast? No, that was good. Um, okay. I've uh, since the last show, uh, the CXC, which we did, uh, we did our interview with Jeff Smith last year to promote the CXC Cartoon Crossroads Columbus is coming up. I want to say probably the end of this week. Um, and I've been doing some work for the Ogre. Uh, basically doing what we're doing right now and uh, hosting uh, interviews f- with a couple uh, writer artists for that event. So you'll see me on some web episodes, not talking at all, just pushing buttons and stuff. So that's what I've been doing. Also, I've got, I finally got my Jim Lee Batman artwork tattooed on my arm. So the comic sleeve is coming along. Have you seen that, Mark? Yes. Yeah. So I got couple more couple more panels to get tattooed and then my sleeve will be complete and then we'll start working on background so is this so far the worst what do you mean in terms of pain uh this was by far the worst tattoo pain wise that i've had because it's the back of your bicep and it it's your tricep right and right above your elbow yeah it was awful he did a good job i'm gonna go see him in november he's penciled me in uh, just to do some touch-up because he was worried about some of the black. Um, and I've never really had uh, a tattoo touched up afterward, but he wants to He wants to pack in some more color. And then he said he'd do one. I've got, I'm going to do my Jeff Smith bone panel. And he said, yeah, that's all line work. So I said, it's just black and white. And he said, yeah, we can knock that out too. So he's going to do touch-up and then do my bone panel in November. I can't remember, first or second week of November. So... Where are you going to put that? Uh, it's going to be at the bottom in between Batman and Superman and uh, Rorschach. So it'll kind of, I'm going to try to see if we can kind of put it behind it and make it look like it's all connected somehow. So, cool. um, yeah. So I picked the Batman artwork from the interlude, the cave from the special interlude for Hush that's not in the original floppies because I was looking through our comics and I had to reach out to Mark and be like, Hey, can you find this, this, uh, this picture? Cause I, I can't find it in the, in the individual issues come to find out. It was like a special thing that Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee did for wizard magazine. So it's in Mark's complete graphic novel collection. So he had to point it out for me. So did you, did you look and see if we had the wizard? Uh, I did not look and see if we had the wizard, but I'm pretty sure we do. So all the wizards are out of order since we were doing the, uh, blast from the past segment and i kind of rearranged my desk so but yeah that's that's what's going on in my world so doing some video interviews and stuff and getting tattoos so other than that rob what's going on um so apparently i guess amazon and hbo are uh parting ways um you used to be able to get hbo through um my prime channels and apparently effective immediately they severed that i'm assuming hbo wants their full subscription 
So I had to uh, get a brand new HBO subscription, which motivated me to start looking through some of the DC stuff a little bit more in depth. I finished, I did the Dark Knight part two or the Dark Knight Returns part two. Um, Again, I know I'm like 10 years behind. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. I uh, that's a really good one. The, it the is animated movie definitely stayed true to the comics. Well, and I really liked. Um, I don't know. I just really liked RoboCop as the older Batman. I didn't think I'd like him, but I think he uh, he brought some of the Frank Miller presence that I that I think worked really well. Um, I also watched Death in a Family, and it really annoyed the hell out of me because that was just a, like, I can't even understand how they considered that uh, a standalone animated movie since all they did was just jack 90% of it from the Red Hood movie. And it's just Bruce narrating the Red Hood movie. I was like, this is dumb. Like, why did they even do this? Yeah, it was short, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like uh, maybe an hour, but it was the only thing they added was the interaction between Bruce and Clark in the cafe. Like it was dumb. I was like, I could have just watched the Red Hood animated movie again like this. Yeah, it was just it was just bizarre. I didn't understand the whole premise there. I know everybody talks about how like DC nails it when it comes to animated movies. And I, I agree with that to a certain extent, because some of them are just really bad. Like, obviously, we could say the killing joke was horrible well i will say the killing joke was good after that made-up bullshit they put in the beginning of it like when they actually started referencing the actual material i thought it was pretty decent it's like they just tried to put in crap to make it rated r (laughs) yeah but barbara would not sleep with bruce so on a rooftop somewhere so i finished that um I've been working a lot on um, finishing up this Joker profile for the Killing Joke, and actually, Doctor Doug um, emailed me uh, a couple weeks back asking if I would be interested in participating in a a um, forensic psychiatry resident interest um, like group. So wow, that was a mouthful. Can you say uh, that again? A. <laughs> Forensic Psychiatrist Resident Interest Group. So he is the head of a residence um, or a fellowship program for um, resident doctors who are interested in being forensic psychiatrists because he is a forensic psychiatrist. And it's pretty much just like an interest group. Like, hey, if you're interested in doing this, let's talk about how, you know, psychiatry and the law come together. And let's actually um, talk about some Batman villains like Let's look at some of the profiles for that. So he <clears throat> invited me to participate in that. Um, we actually just did that last Friday. Um, How'd that so, go? How many people were on it? Um, so it, again, it was an interest group. He sent it out to a. a so was it like a was it like a Zoom meeting, kind of like how we yeah. do ours? Okay. Yeah, it was a Zoom meeting. There, were, I think, at the end of it, there were about six residents that showed up. Um, so we talked through. Um, I kind of gave him a sneak peek of the profile that I'll do for this episode, um, but talked a a lot about um, kind of mental health and, you know, how much of this is um, the illness versus some accountability responsibility. Um, He played a a bit of a clip from the um, killing joke um, animated movie towards the end. So it was actually a really cool experience. Um, He plugged our podcast. um, So I think it, thanks Dr. Doug. Thank you think one of the residents listened to it um he listened to the riddler episode so he, he liked my take on that um so yeah it was cool i got to plug the program that i work in um got to talk a little bit about our podcast uh talking about how i want to 
continue to uh, keep things fresh and contribute in a unique way since I don't have a ton of time to read a lot of stuff, but um, kind of merging those two worlds together. Because I think, honestly, I, I learn, I have learned more, or not more, but I, I learn better um, when I can kind of combine comic book stuff with clinical work. Like the yeah. DSM is so much easier to look at for me if I can, you know, do it for fun. Yeah, Understandable. Man. So, well, I had a couple uh, articles that I, I know I sent to you, Rob, but I kind of just wanted to, these are kind of fun and I kind of just wanted to get your guys' take on it. Um, so this is a bleeding cool article. It says comic stores in your future, the current 25 hot comics. And this is from earlier this month, but I kind of wanted to get your guys' take. Uh, so I, I don't know how often bleeding cool does this, but it basically just says this month's hot 25 comics and I'll just see what if you guys know the book or, or if you agree with it. So number one is amazing Spider-Man 361 from 92 first appearance of carnage, $300. Okay. Is that because carnage is coming out soon? Probably. Uh, Batman 89 from 2020 first appearance of punchline, which I have that it's going for $55. Uh, number three, Batman, the long Halloween, number one, I'm sure this is because the animated movies just came out 96 going for $75 Batman vengeance of Bane. Number one from 93 first appearance of Bane, a hundred dollars. We have that, don't we? I believe so. Captain America 117 from 1969, first appearance of the Falcon, $1,500. Do you have that, Mark? No. No. <laughs> no. Ghost Rider, number 28 from 92, <laughs> Midnight Suns and Lilith, $40. G.I. Joe 32 from 1985, first appearance of Lady J for $35. Dang, Green Lantern so cool. 25 from tw uh, 2008, first appearance of LaFreeze and... Atrocious, atrocious $40. <laughs> Number nine, Green Lantern 59 from 1968. First appearance of Guy Gardner, $350. <laughs> Number 10, House of Mystery 175 from 1968. First appearance of Kane, $125. Incredible Hulk 449 from 97. First appearance of the Thunderbolts, 100 bucks. Is that in your poll list there, Mark? It was Hulk, it was Hulk right? Hulk yeah. 449, yeah. I just saw that. Um, I was thinking about it, but I'm not that interested. What's it? A hundred bucks? Yeah, hundred bucks. Justice League of America 40 from 2015. First appearance of Grail. I don't know for thirty dollars. Punisher 218 from 2018. Punisher War Machine armor for twenty dollars. Sandman number one. I'm sure this is going up because of what's going on with that. From 1989. First Morpheus appearance. Two hundred sixty dollars. Mm. Secret Wars number eight. From 1984, first appearance of Spider-Man's black costume that would become Venom, $200. Do you have that, Mark? No, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Shazam 28 from 1977, first modern appearance of Black Adam going for $400. Gee, the rock. And here's one for, here's uh, She-Hulk number one from 1980, first She-Hulk. $230. Uh, Star Wars uh, from 2015. 50 bucks. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> number 19, Strange Academy, number one from 2020, going for 90 bucks. It's a brand new title. 20, Static One from 1993, obviously since the uh, that line came back out, going for 60 bucks. Superboy, number nine from 1994, first King Shard. King Shard. <laughs> <laughs> 
first king shark appearance, forty dollars. Thor, number twenty-two. Uh, Thor three seventy-two from nineteen eighty-six. First TVA. I don't know what that is. Uh, forty-five dollars. And then number twenty-three, Vengeance one from twenty eleven. First appearance of Miss America. Two or three hundred seventy bucks. There you go. Twenty-four X-Men Annual fourteen from nineteen ninety. Gambit cameo fifty bucks. And number 25, X-Men 4 from 92, first appearance of Omega Red, 60 bucks. I have that. Do you have that one? Have it. Have it. I don't know. I thought that'd be fun to go over those books. Have um, it. And another, another really cool uh, thing that I saw, Torpedo Comics from that we know from Anthony Desiato's documentary, My Shamak, My Shamak Cop. <laughs> It's Sunday night. <laughs> My comic shop country. Dude, they just got the original artwork from Jim Lee's X-Men number one. All I saw four, that. All four panels. Four cannot, covers. All four covers. All four covers that you know fold out into. I, I can't believe that those are all still actually together. He has them. So yeah, that's amazing. So that's that's all the extra bs that i have tonight mark did you want to do your long box or do you want me to do my poll first you do your poll all right so rich's poll for this episode uh batman catwoman number seven came out (laughs) uh the artwork was the only thing that was different about this one is uh liam sharp stepped in for the artwork so it wasn't clay man so um that was that was kind of cool still uh going through the motions on that one <clears throat> we got three eight three issues left <sighs> yeah something like that no it's 12 it's he has 12. It's five 12. issues left yeah so i'm sure five be, moments of hell it'll take <laughs> it'll take a <laughs> five, year and a half five, five you know tom king is gonna be at uh nycc so we might well, as well stop by his booth and- i'm not stopping by <laughs> i tell him i want my nine dollars back <laughs> right for the three issues that I bought, because you suck. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> I walk past. I walk past and say you suck. I'll tell him, Mister King, you're not the king. Give me that crown, bitch. Uh, I got Batman one twelve. Uh, Daredevil thirty four. Really good book. Nice House on the Lake number four. Uh, Detective Comics ten forty two. Uh, Something is Killing the Children number nineteen. Action Comics number ten thirty four, and Swamp Thing number seven uh the highlights obviously uh, i'm really enjoying the uh superman action comics run right now by mr johnson it's really really good artwork is awesome so i highly recommend reading that uh i still love uh swamp thing there's um three more issues of that that is uh in that little mini series will wrap but i did just see just uh i want to say yesterday um that um uh, excuse me jeff lemire is going to do a swamp thing green hell black label big size book like the De- or the batman damned book so it's going to be a i believe a three issue um big sized uh i think that comes out in december so i'll nice. still get my swamp thing fix on for that uh side note i have caught up on uh, I know I said this on the last one, but Tom Taylor's run of Nightwing. I w- you know I wasn't reading it; I was just collecting it 
uh, because Kim liked to read it. And then uh, I actually got her to start reading the run. And uh, I read all, I think he's got five issues out. And I read all five. Really, really good. Really good. Nightwing, Nightwing and Huntress good or? Uh, like better. So it's that it's like Dick and Barbara chemistry is back like the way we like it. So it was it's excellent. So there's five issues out. I think the new I think the new issue came out this week or last week. So, you know, I, I, I was reading Nightwing when um, the when they relaunched everything with Rebirth. Uh, I did. I, I was reading it from the very beginning and I probably stopped after like issue 25 because it was like unbearably horrible. But I kept picking it up for Kim. But this Tom Taylor run is awesome. So I recommend Nightwing to anybody looking for a book. So, yeah, that's Rich's poll for episode 49. Mr. Mazik. Well, I read at the top of the show, Uncanny X-Men number 125 from 1979. I'm going through my uncanny x-men issues right now um the era of uh the chris claremont and john byrne that run is just so historic i've talked about it on the podcast before and i'm just for some reason i was felt drawn to it and next Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm drawn to fantastic four but that'll be next but this run i'm reading is just uh, the writing is just so incredible and compared to the new x-men that's out right now this new X-Men lineup sucks. The new X-Men writing sucks. And it's just <laughs> this run with John and Chris is just so iconic. And I'm just loving the story. And I'm just can't, it's every page is such a page. The book is such a page turner. And it's just, that's what's currently I'm going back and reading right now. It's my uncanny X-Men. And he's going to be at New York Comic-Con, Chris Claremont. So I have, a, I, I think I had him sign three issues. So I think I'm going to go back and have him sign have him sign some more. And yeah. I think what I'm going to do is have him sign his the very last issue of X-Men, which is X-Men number three, which okay. is one of my favorites. Um, I'm going to have him sign that. That and was with the Jim Lee era, right? Yeah. Okay. And I have some earlier Jim Lee, Chris Claremont stuff that I may have him sign. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him again. He signed my Phoenix Saga book, my X-Men 101. That was a big find, and he signed that for me. So I think I might have him sign another book or two and just ask him if he can be on our podcast. Like, what does it take to get you to be interviewed on a podcast? Right. We'd love to talk to you because you are so awesome. And I iconic. want you to write my... <laughs> What was it you said? I want him to speak at my funeral or some shit. My eulogy. My That's eulogy. He could write my eulogy. I mean, <laughs> I the way he talks you in life. But the I way he talks you. about these characters, he talks about it as if he just wrote the book last month. Yeah. You know. Oh, he and, wrote it for what? Sixteen years? Isn't that what yeah. you said? Yeah, that's 16 crazy. years, 1975 to 1991. So mm-hmm. that's what it's in my long box. I think what I'm feeling like next is probably going to be Fantastic Four. The, towards like the early 90s is when the, the team started to fall apart, you know? So I like yeah. that era. So um, that's what's in my long box. Dude, I was, uh, you speaking of John Burns, I was rereading um, his Man of Steel run. And uh, I, th- I think I dropped that info like way back probably like 10 episodes ago but they're still on my uh side table to read and i i think i've read issues like the first two uh issues his just his storytelling and his artwork is just awesome awesome stuff i wish they were in it today you know what i'm saying like they were when they start you know when they were our age yeah 
Yeah. Because this new stuff is just not cutting it. It's really not cutting it. Like I have my list here. I have my list from when I go to New York Comic Con and Emerald City Comic Con, and I have all every all the stuff is old. Yeah. Hush, New Fifty Two, uh, X Men. It's all old, 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 old. So this new shit is just not cutting it. Not cutting it. Not cutting it. Speaking of that, I uh, I found out my shopping list, Mark. Oh. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask that since he's flashing his shopping list. Go. Well, I need your help to, I think you were surveying the list and having some Excel problems, but uh, I'm going to try to bridge the gap uh, for Batman and Detective from when we stopped collecting in 07. Yeah. I'm going to try to bridge some of the gaps and reconnect that. I don't think I'm going to be able to get all of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'd like to start filling in so we can join those two titles together again so who's up do you need mine or riches just our list like Uh, when we cut off from uh we were collecting during we weren't we didn't collect any new 52 it was like towards so you just want to get to the end of that universe run i guess yeah and up into new 52 yeah, up until where you started collecting again when you went to con with Mark. Gotcha. So sweet. I'm. I think I'm just gonna go for. Uh, I think I know. I said this on the last episode. I think I'm just gonna go for uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run. I don't think it will be too hard to find. So it doesn't look like it's too astronomically expensive. So might try to find those. And then um, I have. I did start collecting the new Fifty Two Superman the last time we were at con, and I've got some gaps in that that I might. Or it was just action comics. I don't think I was looking at the Superman books, but might try to fill in those gaps. But yeah, the plan is still is to get to Mark's apartment on that Friday, do like a quick pre-con recording for episode 50, then get some sound bites from live from the convention and then do like a rap recording. So what time does our plane leave on Friday? Didn't you say the time got moved up like a lot? Yeah, I was just looking at the printed email that I printed um, when we, the day we bought con tickets, and and it printed some stupid ad on top of it. So, uh, let's see. Originally, we were supposed to depart Columbus at eight twenty-two, arrive in Laguardia at ten fourteen, and then depart Laguardia at one forty-four on Monday and arrive in Columbus at uh, three thirty-five. That apparently has changed. Damn, I didn't realize we were going. We were supposed to leave that late. <laughs> That's fucking. Well, late. it was because we wanted to avoid rush hour and all that. Here we go. Your trip has been changed. No. We are taking off on Friday at three fifty. So we'll have like, to be at the airport at like two fifty. Right. Like I'm struggling to see how I'm going to make that work at work that day. Uh, what time land, do you land? Landing at five forty nine. Right in the middle of rush hour. <laughs> right. Um and then so okay so you by the time you guys land at five forty nine no hold on this isn't right <laughs> your trip has changed again oh no that's new I'm sorry that's oh my god we are departing Columbus at five fifty six okay landing at seven forty eight okay we will then leave New York at three fifty arrive at five forty nine okay so when you guys get to my house we'll just chill so it'll, yeah it'll it we'll get in. So 7.48 probably means it'll probably be like 30 minutes getting out of the airport. So we probably won't get to your place till maybe 9. So we'll just chill. We'll just get here. Not You'll do that to chill. Late, but yeah. So. You'll just chill. And then Saturday we'll get up. We'll go to Midtown. 
there's a place I want to take you. And then we'll go get our food and stuff from Whole Foods. And then we'll come back, chill at my house, rest, watch movies, watch all whatever. Do record. our sound bite, record. And then Sunday we'll be at the kind of motherfucking day till they <laughs> till the fucking lights go out. And then Sunday we'll get up, go to breakfast, and then you guys will leave. Boom. All right. Rob, take it away for home base assessment. I keep forgetting the name of your segment. Sorry. All good. Um, Killing Joke yes. Part 2. So, yeah, so just a recap. So doing the Killing Joke. So did some V-code. So remember, it was like inadequate housing, low income, other problems related to employment, social exclusion or rejection. So kind of set up some of his origin story stuff. And then just to kind of recap again, so highlights, this is the particular book where the first attempt was at describing his origin story. So remember his wife was pregnant and his unborn child and wife somehow died in some rare tragic accident. You didn't really get the details of that. And then he's so desperate that before he found this out, he was um, working with some organized crime to try to raise some money because his stand-up career wasn't working out, but very insecure, um, very cared very much what people thought of him. Um, was very was doing a lot of like mind reading, like you know, assuming what his wife thought of him and, and all sorts of stuff. So then the I guess sharks, we'll call them sharks that he gets involved in. Um, he gets to pose as the red hood at the ace chemical plant. And Batman kind of intercepts him and then he falls into a vat of chemicals, very similar to uh, Burton's 89 Batman. And then he washes out of a drain pipe and then that's where he is bleached. His hair is green, his face is white. And you can already tell he's having um, some sort of incongruent affect experience. Like you almost died and you are fundamentally changed and you are hysterically laughing. So I mentioned that I was going to consider some post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as definitely thinking that he had some antisocial personality traits. Because again, um, very homicidal. He shot Barbara Gordon, tortured her, tortures Jim Gordon. And again, the purpose of that is very similar to Heath Ledger's Batman in The Dark Knight, is he's trying to break important people like Jim Gordon and Barbara Gordon, and eventually he's trying to get Batman to crack because he wants them to um, follow in the same path. Like, he's crazy, so, you know, anybody can become crazy. So, homicidal. So, I do think we're going to go with an antisocial personality. I do think he is experiencing some post-traumatic stress disorder. But specifically, so I could go through the whole criteria for that, I won't. But specifically with this one, there is an exposure to an actual threat or so your life is in jeopardy or you, you directly experienced that traumatic event or you've learned that some traumatic event has happened to a family member. So in some ways, I think leading up to his accident, you know, he found out his wife and child died in some tragic accident. So I think he was already having some um I guess, some traits of this uh, particular disorder. But again, it's unclear as to what that is. I don't think Alan Moore was really going for details there. Here's something else. Um, experiencing repeated exposure to the adversive details of the traumatic event. So there's a panel in the book, right, where before uh, Joker falls into the vat of chemicals, he sees Batman and he is terrified. So I would actually state that every time Joker is exposed to Batman, he is experiencing a repeated exposure 
of details of that traumatic event. So I actually think every time they interact with each other, in some ways, it's he's kind of reliving that experience. Interesting. Right. So Batman, I think, terrifies him before he falls in so that every time he sees Batman, he's somehow reminded of that experience. Now, the key difference, I mentioned Burton's 89. Jack Nicholson's Joker is very different than the Joker in this because uh, Jack Nicholson's character is already homicidal, is already a career criminal, is already a delinquent before he falls into that of chemicals. This particular character is uh, completely different. Like he's so insecure and he kind of seems a little bit more like um, Phoenix's version, um, just very insecure, kind of a struggling person. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to do a rule out of post-traumatic stress disorder. I want to do a rule out of antisocial personality disorder, but something else. And um, I was talking to Doug and some of the residents on that call this past Friday. I also want to do, and this is kind of a little less known, a rule out of personality change due to another medical condition. So I cannot diagnose this on my own. I would need to uh, get a referral to a physician. So I would need to do a referral so that a physical exam lab work can be done. Essentially, I'm arguing this person has been fundamentally changed since falling into this vat of chemicals. You don't really know what those are. It's clearly damaging enough that limited exposure being submerged in it for probably less than five minutes right, has already bleached his skin, ble- like changed his hair, has kind of really screwed with him. So I, I really think kind of a medical workup would need to be done. Some lab work would need to be done. And I think this is kind of right in, in the realm of um, possibilities for him because his psychological profile has significantly shifted after this incident. Uh, But I do think, um, I don't think we can excuse his behavior because of this experience, because I think he's very calculated. Again, I think the Joker in this story post accident is kind of a blend between Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix. Like he is very calculated. Like it takes a lot of calculation, strategy, planning, to shoot Barbara Gordon without the intention of killing her, torturing her, grabbing Jim Gordon and torturing him less physically, although he did get assaulted several times um, in his in his apartment, but trying to figure out how can I try to break this man? So I'm going to, you know, drag him naked, attached to a dog leash through this carnival, exposing him to, you know, his daughter being tortured. Um, and then still not being able to break him. So I think in any way, I think I think Joker is trying to justify his actions by saying, you know, anybody can be like me. Um, anybody can crack. And Batman's just like, we're not doing this because I think Batman obviously represents the opposite extreme, like very um, rigid in terms of his principles and values. So yeah, so I'm gonna do. Uh, rule out of personality change due to another medical condition. That rule out is really because I'd have to I'd have to get some some medical work up on him. And I'm not entirely sure. I could be wrong. I'm not entirely sure if anybody's written what he actually fell into. That might be right. some more. Uh, that might be some more DC encyclopedia stuff to look into. Um, but then antisocial personality disorder. I think I'm pretty confident in giving him that. And then I do think um, there's a strong case to be made of uh, post traumatic stress disorder as well. So that is the final part of 
the Joker profile for the Killing Joke. And again, I I, I don't think this is the only time I'm going to visit this character. But again, I would want to kind of any future uh, story arc. I would want to figure out how does it relate to this particular book in the canon order so that I can take all this into consideration. So nice. As you were talking about Joker's response to seeing Batman, I immediately thought PTSD because I could feel it in my body, how he would see him. And then that, that, that anger, that response would come up, you know, at that first it was fear. probably that fear at first, at first it was probably was fear, but now it's just anger. Right. Well, and I, I think, and again, I think this, the panel was really good because it was just one panel. It was like it was his view of Batman through the red the red lenses of the red hood um, mm. helmet, I guess. Um, and he was just terrified. And then he actually almost dies. Right. So I think he is in many ways fused that together, um, which I think it's kind of a paradox because every time he's exposed, I would argue every time he's exposed to Batman, he's kind of reliving that experience, but at the same time he's toying with him. So there's also some borderline personality disorder like traits, which I'll get into with some other characters, but specifically with that one, there's like these extremes of idealization and devaluation. Like you love somebody. They are the number one. They are your, like the most important person to you. And then very quickly they become your least favorite person. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Joker constantly is like wanting to play with Batman, not kill him. And then he's like, Oh, well, if I can just kill him, I will. Right. So there's just so many different directions I could go with this character. But I think again, the purpose of starting here is um, not all of those Joker stories contain somewhat of an origin story. But Dr. Doug made a good point. He's like, well, can we trust that origin story? Because as it's written and he's right, it's just Joker remembering. So like, is his memory mm. distorted? Is he remembering mm. his, his past correctly? Um, but I, I think the, the beauty of that book though, is it leaves it kind of open that you can yeah. make that you can guess like, Oh, well, is he remembering or is this just the story trying to tell <laughs> that story standalone from the current things that are happening? So I think that was the beauty of that, the complexity of that storyline. So nice. Nice. So that completes my, uh, my, uh, third, uh, home base assessment. I do think any previews um, for your next one. Yeah, I think I'm going to do Ra's al Ghul. I might try. I, I think I really want to start with his origin story before I do the Legacy miniseries um, because actually I don't think we have all of it. I think we're missing like a Catwoman or something, Rich. So there might be a gap in there. Um, so Talia might, would be a good one. Yeah, for sure. So I think I might... Oh, you know what I could do? I could, uh, I could just do the... Uh, first appearance of him in the Batman the Animated Series. I can yeah. even do that. I don't know. Well, I'll have to take a look. If I have my preference, I might see if I could just get it on Kindle or something. The uh, the first appearance of Rachel Ghoul I think would be super cool. Clayface would be another good one. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, definitely take uh, recommendations at heroeshomebase at gmail.com. Yeah, I mean, even if it's just, hey, here's a villain, like what Mark's doing, and then I will, uh, I'll be happy to kind of look at some story arcs through some of the uh, encyclopedias and stuff. Yeah, for right. sure. You guys want to do who would win? I have one. Sure. Mark, uh, man of few words. I'm a man of few words. <laughs> Shoot. Staying on my uh, Swamp Thing uh, kick, we're going to do Swamp Thing versus the man thing. <laughs> a lot of things going on there. A lot of things. 
<laughs> All right, so the man thing is the man thing is a fictional character appearing in Marvel Comics. First appearance was Savage Tales number one from May 1971. Uh, he was created by Stan Lee, uh, Steve Gerber, Roy Thomas, uh, Gary Conway, and Gary Morrow. Uh, man thing was originally a scientist, Ted Salas a biochemist who was working on duplicating the super soldier serum that created Captain America one night. He brought his, uh, Salas brought his love lover Ellen to the lab where she betrayed him to the scientific terrorist organization, advanced idea mechanics or aim. Aim. Uh, let's see his abilities, superhuman strength, durability and stamina, empathic senses, uh, regenerate regeneration size alteration corrosive chemicals secretion uh, teleportion uh, uh, teleportion portal creator uh, creation fear empowerment reality guardianship of plant manipulation um, his weaknesses is he is dependent on the swamp environment for vitality if removed for a significant length of time he his lapse in uh, dormancy so that is the man thing. I must confess, I uh, have never heard of him. This is from Google, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Swamp Thing is a fictional superhero uh, published by DC, a humanoid plant elemental creative created by uh, Lynn Wayne and uh, Bernie Wrightston. Uh, Wrightston. The Swamp Thing uh, has had several humanoid or monster incarnations in various different storylines. So let's see. Uh, he is uh, Alec Holland. He's been uh, quite a few different people, but uh, I'll, I'll just stick with uh, Mr. Alec Holland. First appearance was House of Secrets number 92, July 1971. Alec Holland Swamp Thing number one was October to November 1972. I got the encyclopedia up right now. Special powers and abilities. Earth's planet elemental can manifest itself wherever there is organic life and can sense anything that affects said life. Super strong with amazing regenerative powers, can change size and shape, can travel back through time. So he's superhuman strength and durability, plant manipulation, um, and he has the elasticity. So he can basically regrow wherever there is green. He can regenerate himself. Um, his weaknesses: pollution. Pollution is highly dangerous to the plant life and makes up his body and the plant life he is connected to. So pollution. Uh, while his body isn't quite invulnerable, Swamp Thing is basically immortal. As long as there's plant life to cling to, be it a tree or a bush or piece of tobacco, Swamp Thing can transmit his consciousness and rebuild his body anew. So Swamp Thing versus the man thing. Who's your pick, Mark? I'll go with Swamp Thing. Uh, I will also go with Swamp Thing because, uh, again, I've never heard of Man Thing. <laughs> I don't I've know. I kind of like, like the Man Thing origin trying to duplicate the uh, Super Soldier serum. I think that's pretty good, but uh, I'm going to go with Swamp Thing. I think that uh, the fact that he can regenerate, he's if he's not, whereas Man Thing is dormant, has dormant issues. But Swamp Thing is basically immortal, and he can basically regrow and regenerate. So I really wasn't into this character until, I think, two years ago when I read Alan Moore's run, and it's really, really a beautiful book. The way that he wrote the panels in that and the artwork is just stunning. So Swamp Thing, all around, agreed? Agreed. Agreed. 3-0 for Swamp Thing. 
if you disagree, hit us up on uh, Heroes Home Base at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, we've left here a nice uh, contrast or a contradictory opinion. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll see more of that Swamp Thing HBO Max here soon, hopefully. I don't, no, it's going to be on WB. Hopefully they'll... Aren't they? Or was it HBO Max? It was an HBO, or it was a DC Universe show, and then it was supposedly picked up by the WB, so... We'll see. All right, fellas, another great episode. Until next time, please don't forget to bag your board. This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Thank you again for listening. Please send us an email if you want stickers or let us know if you're interested in a hat because they're sold out, folks. So we're going to have to do some more ordering there. So here is home base at Gmail. Uh, also, leave us a comment. Send us an email. Subscribe, like, you know, all that great stuff. Really appreciate you listening. Looking forward to uh, our halfway to 100 on our next episode. So you will be hearing us uh, from New York City Comic Con, and it'll be interesting this year. So again, appreciate you listening and stay tuned. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting this RMR production. Oh, there's Mark's phone. Whoops. Silent. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, there it is again. Okay, silent. Some contextual things. So, like, we do a bunch of V-codes. What, um, what are you tapping on your table there? What are you doing? Oh, it's my uh, seat. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. My, my apologies. His, his milk crate is cracking.